Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Svedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hi, everybody. This is Marnie Swedberg, and I'm so excited to welcome you to today's program, Women's Ministry Leadership Training. And our topic today is a little um, loud and in your face. It's called Strippers, Addicts, and Inmates. Oh, my. Taking Jesus where we've never dared to go before. And our guest today, Tina Levine, is the perfect person to take us there. I'm so excited because during this next hour, you are going to discover some key characteristics of the type of women and some of the women who have been compelled to reach out to strippers, addicts, and inmates. You'll also learn um, what to expect uh, behind the bars of every kind, characteristics of women for whom you've come, and then uh, the underlying attitudes that allow us to invest generously regardless of the visible results, the resources you'll need in order to succeed, the primary task and how to keep that in the forefront and why the follow-through is as important as your first visit. Tina Levine, today's guest, has a passion for making people laugh, but she loves to educate people about bullying, gangs, drugs, and delinquent behaviors that many young people struggle with today. So her website is Truth movementforfemales.com that's www.truthfulmovementforfemales.com welcome to you Tina well thank you so much Marnie I'm really excited to be on your show well this is when you pitched us this topic it was like oh my goodness you know it is a place we've never gone before <laughs> we really we really want to go here we've definitely um we've definitely talked about working uh prison ministries before but not this specific angle and it is a unique ministry definitely when you're working with um, people who are find themselves in this situation it 's not your typical it 's not your typical girl, although in a way we 're all the same aren 't we we 're all really kind of broken when we come we 're broken Absolutely. and someone has to come next to us and introduce us to jesus that 's right yes and and I think that 's why i 'm so passionate about this because I was one of those lost women and one of those women that felt broken. And it wasn't until someone showed me the way, and and that way was Jesus, um, that I was saved and I was made beautiful and whole. And, you know, he put all of my pieces together for his masterpiece. And so it's just remarkable. You know, God can just, just do amazing things. So maybe give us a little teeny background about how you personally got involved working with strippers and addicts and inmates, because it's not um, something that a lot of us have had the either opportunity or hard to do uh, up until this point, and it's kind of curious that this is where God has placed you as a ministry. How did that start for you? Wow. You know, it, it it's surprising to me still. Um, because mm-hmm. I've always dedicated my life to working with youth and young people. And so I kind of thought that was my missionary. Like, that's why God created me, was to work with young people. Mm-hmm. But what I was finding was these young people, not only are they fatherless, but so many of them are parentless. 
Hmm. And I was a teacher at a female school, you know, all female students, middle and high school students, and the majority of them were on probation, you know, young girls under the age of 18. And so many of these young girls were motherless. And that's Hmm. what opened my eyes to, whoa, we have a generation of young people growing up, especially the females growing up motherless, and it broke my heart. And my husband and I, um, we were licensed therapeutic foster parents, and we had a 16-year-old foster son. So we saw firsthand how his mother's addictions and, her, you know, she was on the streets prostituting. Yeah. So we saw firsthand how that affected him and his life and his behaviors, and he lacked that relationship with her. And so I prayed in August 2012 because I started to feel resentful towards her. And Mm -hmm. I prayed and I said, God, please soften my heart. Please, whatever you want me to do with these women, I am willing to help. Just please give me that sense of mercy, you know, mercy and grace towards them. And within that week, I believe when you I believe when you pray, God's gonna test you. Right? And yeah, so, right. He so he tested me. And so I get a phone call from a drug treatment facility for incarcerated women and they wanted me to come speak at their graduation. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh goodness, okay God. All right. <laughs> if this is, if this is Here where you're taking me <laughs> And then wow. within the same week of August uh, 2012, in the same week, I had a um, drug treatment facility ask if I can transport women in a residential facility to my church on Friday nights for Celebrate Recovery. And so I was like, you know, okay, all right, God, I see what you're doing. And so from that evolved this whole ministry. Mm. That is amazing, and it's so true that once once God starts nudging us in a certain direction, I mean, he doesn't, uh, sometimes it takes many years, actually, but other times, you know, it's just right away, and however he does it, he makes it very clear, here's the path, walk in it, right? Um, so Absolutely. it's really a cool story and how you followed through with that. Why don't we address right now, you know, is there a certain type of person or characteristics of women who are maybe led to uh, prison ministries or ministries with strippers or addicts or or those that are really struggling in these ways? You know what? I I do believe. I believe that there's um, – the women that usually are led into this ministry are, you know, strong, faithful followers of Jesus Christ, and they're healthy themselves. So maybe they work a recovery program. You know, I I celebrated 16 years of recovery, being clean and sober from alcohol and drugs in January. And so for me, I've been there. I've been broken. I've been addicted. And so I have that peace that I can bring to my ministry that some people aren't able to. But the ministry team is made up of women that have experienced and they've been healed and recovered from numerous abuse issues or um, different, you know, hurt habits and hangups. And so those are the type of women that really touch the hearts of the lost women that are out there. Also women that empower other women, not enable. You know, there's a big difference between empowering a person and enabling them. Empowering is saying, you know what, you can do this, and I'm here to cheer you on and to link you up with resources. 
but you can do this through Christ. Also, I think the spiritual gift of administration, because there's a lot of organization, a lot of networking that goes into this type of ministry. Of course, the spiritual gift of grace and mercy. And um, I think you just have to be committed to love no matter what. You know, it's interesting when I'm listening to you talk, as I think I, I was I was hoping you were gonna include the gift of mercy because every person that I know who does the prison ministry or ministries like this has a huge gift of mercy. There's just so much compassion in these girls and um the the administrative part is very interesting that you bring that up and I I was running through my head the gals that I know that do these ministries and they all also have that that gifting, but I had never put that together in my head. Very interesting. So as a women's ministry leader, then when you're looking to maybe add this type of a ministry to your kind of roster of what God has you doing, you're really looking for this this gal who's got this administrative mercy combo going on. Not that it has to be that, but that that's probably going to be your uh, one of your glaring, <laughs> glaring signs that she's maybe the right one to ask first. Interesting. So if you were to say um, that you were going to start a women's ministry outreach to uh, a local women's prison or something like that, what do you think uh, WM Leaders' first step would be? I think to network, to find out what services are in the area, what's being offered in the prisons and the jails already, because there's a lot of programming that actually goes in. Believe it or not, a lot of faith-based programming, they do. They go into the prisons and the jails already. However, Mm -hmm. peace when they go back into the community, where I've spoke to females in prison and jail, and they say, we feel like we're forgotten. You know, it's like, yep, see ya. Okay, here you go. You know, here's your 50 bucks. Uh Go get your bus pass and you know, and mm-hmm. so that's where, you know, the truthful movement mm-hmm. for females ministry is linking these women up for with the key mentors in the in the uh, community and at churches to mm-hmm. not only assist with transportation and dent, you know, dental work. So many of these females need dental work, or they need mm-hmm. to go to a doctor. They haven't. They've neglected themselves emotionally, physically, spiritually. So they need resources. They need to go to the doctors. They need to go to the dentist. Um, transportation is a big issue. You know, job, um, job training. You know, that's another thing is one of the things that we're being blessed left and right with, with this ministry, with the strippers, is clothes. Um, clothes for interviews. Clothes that are business attire so that they can get jobs outside of the sex industry. So those are just you know, some of the things yeah. I would say, you know, to to look at what's available and wh- where's the me- missing piece, you know. It, I believe ministry, it's important to see, okay, here's the problem, but where's the missing pieces? And that's where this ministry, you know, it bridges that gap. So cool, so cool. And not to make this a higher higher aspect of any of things, it's just uh, familiar with, um, there's a thrift store in the city of Bradenton, Florida, that actually um, takes in mostly just business, um, 
business and business casual clothes for women. And then they sell it to the general public. It kind of, it's not like uh, garage sale prices at all. It's a little bit higher, but it's still secondhand stuff. But then when the gals come in after their job training and they're ready to go look for a job, they get to pick out like three outfits each at no charge. It's just a wonderful ministry. It's, it's crazy that's how, awesome. you know, God God just pays for these things um, uh, in in just such amazing ways. We're going to come right back and talk with Tina a little bit more about what to expect you'll find behind bars of every kind and so much more. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Womenspeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit Womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie, and our guest today, Tina Levine, is here with us from truthfulmovementforfemales.com. We're talking about strippers, addicts, and inmates. Oh, my, taking Jesus where we've never dared go before. Let's talk a little bit, Tina, about what to expect behind bars. And, you know, in your notes, you said behind bars of every kind, and I really love that because so many of us, in fact, I would say all of us, are behind some bars of our own, of our own making, and maybe it's something we chose as a young child or or a a thought, maybe a, a lie that we believed as a young child, and that's still keeping us bound. But behind bars of every kind, we do tend to find similar types of situations. So maybe let's talk about that for a bit. You know, people are in bondage, especially women. I see so many women that are in bondage, um, and they literally are behind bars, and some of them live in million-dollar homes. Some of them have never even committed a crime, but they're still behind bars. If it be addiction or abuse or some type of trauma that happened to them, and they just feel like they are behind bars. And what I mean by that is, that thought of what I see a lot of females think is that they're a mistake. And, you know, Marnie, I had gone through three years of infertility uh, treatments in order to, you know, conceive my son. And I tell you, in that three years of fertility treatments, I felt like a broken woman. And not only me, and that was like that little deep, dark secret I had inside of me. But when I spoke to other females at the fertility clinic, and they felt the same way. They felt like they were in bondage, that they were behind bars, and that they were a mistake, and they were broken. And so um, in my book, actually, I, I share a lot of that recovery and healing process for me, um, you know, through the fertility treatments and that. And one of the things that I felt like God was saying to me was, you're not broken. I've developed you into a woman that can care for other people's children. And so that's one of the reasons why my husband and I got licensed to adopt and foster is because there's plenty of children out there and God just chose us to be special enough to take care of other people's children. So I think, you know, the bars, they can be, you know, physical, emotional, spiritual bars and bondage. Um, You know, women that feel like they're lost, that they don't fit in. Maybe they're so angry that they don't have those close relationships. Um, Maybe they're recovering from insecurity or hurts, habits, hang-ups. What I see a lot of times with females behind bars is they've never had their basic needs met. 
I'll give you an example. I was in a a juvenile jail, and this beautiful 14-year-old Hispanic girl, she said, Miss Tina, I come to this jail because I have a pillow to put my head on. Miss Tina, I come to this jail so I have a bed to sleep in. And she says, Miss Tina, I come to this jail so I can wake up in the morning and my stepdaddy's not raping me. So a lot of these people are seeking refuge and safety in the jail. Yeah, it's, so that's, uh, it's a pretty messed up, pretty messed up world, isn't it? You know, it, we it, had um, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking that we live in America. Last year, yeah, sure. We had a guest on Ellen Dykus who works with sexually wounded um, women all the time, and she was the first person who ever said it to me. And I never really thought about it before then. But most of the time, when you have gals who are making decisions like uh, sexually promiscuous or strippers or addicts or Inmates, oh my, you know, these these gals, if you could go into their past and live out what they've lived, you would say, wow, they're really doing pretty well considering the circumstances yes. of their history. You know, we we just need to lay down the entire judgmental part of ourselves and just walk a minute in their shoes and say, wow, you are yes, an amazing human reason. being for surviving this long, for being, you know, being able to cope at all. You know, when, when you talk about when you talk about going behind the bars then, okay, so it's one thing it's one thing to stay on the outside of the bars. It's a whole other thing to go behind the bars with somebody. Um, what are you gonna expect to see there as far as um responses to your interest and desire to come behind their bars? Well, Marnie, I'm actually trained in motivational interviewing uh, professionally, and I'm tra- I'm trained with you know stages of change and working with addicts and criminals and all that, and so I understand the criminal personality, and the uh, you know brain of an addict. So when I go in there, I don't expect people to just fall down and oh, I accept Jesus right now and that you know, in the stages of change, depending on where a person is with accepting Christ, you know, some people just don't even understand a higher power. Sometimes you have to keep it so basic, and, and, you know, and that's how I was. I was an atheist for many, many years, and if I thought, wait a minute, if there was a God, I would not have been raped. I would have not have been shot at. I would have not, you know, and so I kept questioning, if there was a God, why did all this trauma happen to me? And then, um, as I put in my book, Let Your Lessons Become Your Blessings, that if I did not walk through all that and God did not save me from all that, I would not be able to help all the women I help today. And so because he healed my heart and I walked through all of that, you know, and one of the things I always share with women that I'm mentoring is, you know, keep your focus on our Savior, not your struggle. Yeah. Even my eight, even my eight-year-old son says that. You know, he says, "You know, Peter, when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he fell into the water, didn't he, Mama?" And I right. said, "That's right, that's right." Yeah. So we have to keep our focus on our Savior, not our struggles. And, right. um, and you know, with that, I I keep the focus on heaven because for me, when I was an atheist, I had lots of Christians telling me I was going to hell. Well, I felt like mm. I was living hell already. You know, I felt like I was living through hell. So to tell me I'm going to hell was like, uh, I'm there already. So I needed, 
I needed someone to say, you know what, there's a heaven and there's a father, an almighty alpha omega father that loves you. And he wants the best for you, that he has a crown just for you and you are treasured. Whoa. That's what hooked me. <laughs> that's, that's the what good news. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, sharing the yeah. good news. Yep. Hmm. I was thinking about when you, um, from my from my experience, when I've gone behind the bars of someone's life, a lot of times there's some real um, thick walls around the heart of the issues because they've been hurt so many times. And they've really, like you said earlier, there's never been anyone to care for them or the people who did seem to care for them actually took advantage of them or abused their trust in some way. And a lot of times when we start working with someone who's severely wounded, um, we, like you said, you know, they don't just instantly respond to whatever love we're extending, whatever message we're extending. There's, there's some uh, tenacity and patience that needs to be employed there, isn't there? Absolutely. And, I, and just because they're not talking and this is something I always tell my team when we go into the strip club, just because the young ladies, they may not even have eye contact with you. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was evangelizing to one of the dancers, and I looked in the mirror, and the one woman that literally told us, you know, pretty much to, you know, back off, mm-hmm. she was right. watching me. She was watching me in the mirror and right. watching and listening to everything right. I was saying. That's when I realized they don't have to say, oh, you know what, I accept Christ. They're watching and they're listening. Yeah. And so that's what, you know, actions speak louder than words. And so if I can show love and acceptance and be nonjudgmental, then they're going to be watching that. And um, that's just, you know, this is a local missionary. And that's what I try to explain to people. You know, some people, they go on missionary trips and they go, you know, overseas into third world countries. This is missionary work in our own backyard. And I think there's a little bit of a language you need to learn for it, too. Um, a lot of these gals that are in here really don't have a father a father image where they could relate God, relate to God as a good father. Um, their, their picture of father is not necessarily good. Uh, how, do you, how do you approach someone who definitely can't comprehend a good father? Well, actually... In my in my book, I know I keep bringing up my book, but I'm you know repeating these stories. Um, in my book, I explain it this way: when I first got um, sober and clean, and I actually was in a 12-step program, and my sponsor said to me, "I want you to write down a list of every characteristic you want in a husband." So I was like, "Oh, I can do that because I loved men at the time, you know." <laughs> so I, I wrote down all the characteristics. I want a trustworthy man. I want a man with a sense of humor. I want a man with dignity and a man with respect. And so I wrote down this list of a, what I wanted in a man uh, to marry. And she looked at me and she said, "That's your higher power." And I said, "What?" And I said, "No, no, 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 uh-uh, no. My higher power, you know, he's punishing me. He's, you know, no, no." This is your right. higher power. And mm-hmm. so when she put it in terms like that, and I was able to kind of fantasize of who, you know, that perfect <laughs> father or husband would be, and, you know, because I have a love affair today with God. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that worked for me. And so mm-hmm. I was able I to imagine, that. yeah, imagine that, that loving, 
father that just wants to take me in his arms and comfort me and just, you know, show me the way. Just show me heaven. Take care of you. Yeah, take yes. care of you. Yeah, yes. so beautiful. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Tina Levine. She's a speaker over at womenspeakers.com. She's the author of a wonderful book called Let Your Lessons Become Your Blessings. And she's here with us today talking about how to reach out to strippers and addicts and inmates and more. And we'll be right back and we're going to talk about the underlying attitude that will allow us to invest generously regardless of any visible results. We'll be right back. Christian Women's Events. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian Women's Events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Hey, welcome back. This is Marnie, and we are talking today with Tina Levine of TruthfulMovementForFemales.com. Tina, as we get going back into this next segment here, I wanted to spend some time talking about the underlying attitudes that you need to go into ministry with. And this could be ministry with strippers, addicts, or inmates. It could also be missions work. It could be raising your kids. (laughs) Anytime that we go into ministry of any kind, there are some underlying attitudes that need to be in place. And I think that the more wounded the people we're working with are, the more intensely obvious it will become if we don't have them in place. Is that how you see it? Yes. And, you know, my whole mission or my whole motto is, You know, we're led for a great charge, not how many we can get, but just to bring them home. You know, we're just ordered and and charged by Jesus Christ just to bring them home. And so it's like planting a garden. And, And sometimes you never see the progress. Sometimes maybe that seed dies or it just is not growing right or, you know. And then sometimes you see just, a fruitful harvest for years and years. And so mm. it's really it's really about just planting those seeds and just, you know, sharing the word, the good news, and um, introducing everyone to God and reintroducing everyone to God. And um, that's, mm. you know, that's just how I look at it is I'm just planting the seeds, and, and God is going to, he's going to grow them, and he's going to harvest them. It is a critical mindset and a mindset that it always surprises me how many gals don't really grasp this, that it's not your responsibility to save this person. It's your responsibility to, as God opens a door of opportunity, to share Jesus with them. It's kind of like the old saying, you know, you can't make a horse drink, but you can lead it to the water. And I really think that that's really what's going on with ministry and when we become convinced that somehow I'm saving the person, I think that's where we become 
well, first of all, of course, stressed out and depressed, but also just wrong in our thinking. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it has nothing to do with me. I say a prayer with my eight-year-old son every morning, and I say to him, you know, God, please help Victor to be, to to show God, to be the image of God today. Not that people look at him and say, oh, that's Victor, or oh, Victor said that. And I and I charge him for that. And I say, you know what, Victor, what comes out of your mouth and what you think and what you do today, your actions, let it be in the image of God. You know, when people see you and when you look in the mirror, it should be God that you see, not Victor, you know, and, and that's how it is, is we got to walk the walk. We got to walk the talk, but also it's, it's Jesus in the flesh. We got to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I was thinking, um, I was thinking yesterday about the challenge that I was facing with someone and I just asked God, I, I had this little prayer, this little arrow prayer that went up, and I said, will you just, will you just help them tell me what, what they need from me? I need them to express to me what they need from me. And instantly in my spirit, I understood that I did not need them to express that to me. What I needed was for myself to be a, a listening and attuned to the Holy Spirit. And just within an hour, it was clear to me what I was, was supposed to do what they needed, and they didn't have to say a word. When we're dealing with a wounded person, oftentimes you can't use the phrase, what can I do for you? Because they don't even have any idea, do they? I mean, a lot of times a wounded person really doesn't have a clue what you could do for them. That's right. Yeah, they don't know. They don't, You know, it's almost like teaching a different language, you know, and they don't know the truth. And I always go back to James 5, 19 and 20, you know, my dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back and you'll have rescued precious lives for destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. So we have to stay firm on God's word. And we can share the good news with them. It doesn't mean they're going to take it right then and there. But we just plant that seed and we just, right. you know, keep walking the walk. One of, one of the most interesting things that happened to me was several years ago, I had a gal who came to many of my Bible studies in my home. We had conversations and went through the plan of salvation multiple times. And then a couple years later, she went into our church and she um, went into the pastor's office and accepted Christ, at which point she said out loud to him, I wonder why no one ever told me this before. <laughs> and at first, you know, I kind of took my breath away because I thought, no, 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 we did. We went through that many times. But mm-hmm. the reality is that those first times either she was blinded by her own self, maybe Satan blinded her, maybe God allowed her to be blinded, maybe she, the soil was hard, maybe there were weeds. For whatever reason, after she had heard the gospel presentation several times, she did come to Christ. And it was shocking to me at first that she said that she had never heard it before. But then I thought, no, that makes sense. That's what the Bible says that yes. a, a person simply cannot receive it until the time to receive it. And if I hold myself accountable for them trusting Christ versus for me sowing the seed, I, I, I'll just be sad. I will quit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but if I can just do my part, which is sowing seeds or watering seeds or harvesting whichever my part is that day, then I can be so joyful in it. 
Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I do for these women that I work with is I um, I donate my book. So every book that mm. someone purchases, I donate my book because that's what the Lord laid on my heart. When I published my book and I got the printed, you know, book in hand and the Lord said, no, 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 don't get too excited. <laughs> this is to give. You're, you're going to gift this to women in jails and prison and drug treatment and in the strip clubs. And it was like, okay. So I, I literally don't make any money off my book. I break even, <laughs> but that's what the Lord has led me to do. Right. And I've, I've had women that they've received my book and they literally email me or they'll call me, uh, you know, six months down the road, a year down the road, and they'll say, you know what, I relapsed. And I opened up my side, you know, my nightstand drawer, and there was your book. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's like, sometimes it's, they don't even open it. Sometimes they probably don't even keep it, which I'm okay with. You know, God's going to direct wherever it needs to go and whoever's heart it needs to speak to. So, I'm not, you know, I'm not all about like, you know, seeing, okay, well, you know, what did that person do with that gift or what did that person do with that compliment or, you know, that resource. It's all about God. I just keep my focus on God. Right. I love, I love your title is let your lessons become your blessings. And I know that what you're doing in the book is going kind of deeper into how to actually allow that to happen in your life. But I, I like the phrase failure equals feedback that, when I have set my heart to do something and then I fail, it's just giving me feedback that I haven't gotten that particular process down yet, that I didn't trust Christ enough in that moment, that whatever. It's feedback I'm kind and we can receive that from God. Or maybe it wasn't even God's timing for me to do it. That might be the feedback that failure could be. Yes. But it changes it from feeling like a loser all the time when we don't um, perform up to our standards to actually being able to receive the loving compassion and healing restoration and growth that God wants us to have in those moments of failure. And I love it. I love it that you're sharing that message with um, gals who really, you know, probably, I don't know. uh, Do you you feel like people who are um, like in jail, people that have gone through the system in those ways, people that have gone through a lot of hurt in their life, do you feel like they're harder on themselves? Or do you feel like a woman who's been given everything is harder on herself? You know, one of the things, you know, like I said, um, I've been sober and clean for over 16 years. And, I mean, I see women constantly relapsing with drugs and alcohol and sex and pornography and, you know, any addiction you can think of because of guilt and shame. They beat uh-huh. themselves up. You know, one of, one of the things I always say is, you know, we're our best travel agent for guilt trips. Uh, so unpack your bags, you know. And, and that's what mm-hmm. they're doing is they're, they're sending themselves on guilt trips constantly. Well, when you're – and one of the visuals I always use, you know, with young people and also when I speak at conferences and that, is it's like a gear shift in your car. And when you don't forgive, you're putting it in reverse. You're reliving <laughs> that past. You're going backwards. But as soon as you forgive yourself and forgive others, then you put it in drive and you're moving forward. And so, yeah, uh-huh. I see it constantly, Marnie, with women that relapse, with women that are, you know, end up back in um, prison and jail. And another thing I see is that generational curse. 
especially with our young people. They think, well, my mama's in prison, so it's all right. You know, that's why I'm in jail. Well, no, no, honey. You know, but their expectations are so low of themselves and a lot of times their family. They have expectations or or society has expectations. Well, you've been in the system, so you're just going to go back anyways. And it, you have to change that thinking. And that's what it's all about is just forgiving yourself and, you know, moving that gear shift into drive and moving forward. Hmm. That's so cool. Let's talk about the resources that a women's ministry may want to invest in before starting a prison ministry or a ministry to strippers or addicts. Well, you know, there's a lot of free resources out there. And one of the things that I always suggest, if you want to start a ministry, is um, especially with the administration part, you know, there's MailChimp, there's Sign Up Genius, there's, um, you know, blogs, there's there's different things that you can get a free website, you can get a free phone number now on Google Voice. You know, there's different resources out there that are free. Ministries really, I mean, I have not, I've paid, I think, $15 a year for my website domain name, and that's about it um, for our website, you know, for um, for this ministry. But other than that, everything I find free. Um, also, look at the different people that are interested in the ministry. I'm constantly talking about the ministry because you just don't know who has laid it on their you know the lord's laid it on their heart to volunteer um there is one woman at our church and i had said you know introduced her to the the strip club outreach ministry and she says you know what i have in my craft room at home all of this jewelry making kit she said the lord kept laying it on my heart get the jewelry making kit she said now i know why i'm supposed to make jewelry for these women and so you just don't know until you speak and, you know, speak with different women because everybody has a different gift to offer. Now, would I be able to pick her out at church and say, hey, I I have a feeling that you can make jewelry. Right. Never. <laughs> you know, but God's so good and he's so good in all the details. Um, so also there's people that have gifts of, you know, coordination of volunteers or coordinating donations. Um, some people are just really good at um you know, networking and finding places that will be willing to donate a gift certificate here or there or just different things like that. It's really about the Holy Spirit and where he really gets in there. And the Holy Spirit is, like, so good in all the details. i, I got to tell you real quick, we went into the strip club one month, and we had a green, like a kind of an ugly color green journal. And for some reason, you know, I just kept looking at this green journal like, oh, is anyone going to even want that? Anyways, we go in that night, and one of the dancers, t- you know, takes this green journal home. The next month, they share with us that when that woman took that green journal home on a Saturday night, on Monday, her daughter at school found out she needed a green journal. And so she <laughs> had that. So, you know, God is so good right. in all the right. details. It's just uh-huh. it's amazing. It is. And I bet I bet that if you and I were to sit here and brainstorm and all of you listening too, you could think of a hundred other times when God specifically answered a prayer you didn't even know you were praying. <laughs> the thing you needed. Yep. And God planned in advance 
and brought one of my favorite ones is my sister, uh, Marla, who's a deaf interpreter, as, among many other things. She was walking, she was in a grocery store one day, and she um, had gone through, and then she was prompted to buy three uh, cans of pumpkin you know, pumpkin, just cans of pumpkin. Anyway, she was like, why? You know, it's so weird. It's not even time for that. Or why would I buy three cans of pumpkin? So she went back. She she couldn't get rid of it out of her head. She went back and she just put it in a car and said, well, God, I hope you have some use for these pumpkins. Well, it took her an extra minute or two to do that. And so she got up to the cash register. She went through the register. And outside, as she was leaving, she actually literally bumped into one of the people who had stopped coming to the church but was a deaf person. And like she says, you know, you you can't just yell out to a deaf person or get their attention from across the way unless they actually see you, unless you're right in their path, you miss them. Uh-huh. She says she couldn't even believe that those extra two minutes had caused her to be able to have this wonderful conversation there in the parking lot with the person. And when she went to church on Sunday, there was an announcement in the bulletin that was asking specifically for cans of pumpkin. So I just want you guys to know that when when God puts something in your heart, like a green, a ugly green journal or cans of pumpkin or whatever, just go for it. She has a she has a quote that I've adopted for my life. It's in my book, Feeling Loved. Um, it's one of my kind of mantras that I say over and over. I'd rather look like a fool than miss an opportunity to hear from God. Mm-hmm. Tina, you've yeah. been living that out. You, you've been just saying, I'm going to step where God says, even if it looks like a sheer drop off. <laughs> I'm yes. going there. Yes. You know, <laughs> and we find him faithful, don't we? Absolutely. And there's times that I don't really feel good or, you know, the enemy's really working on not getting me to do something. And that's when I'm like, you know what, God, I'm going to praise you right now because this is huge. (laughs) There's a reason. There's a reason why the enemy's fighting so hard for me not to go there or to say this or to see that person. And um, and it's always just a miracle. It's a, a great thing. You know, God's so good. I, I had one of those just earlier today. I was doing the morning minute, and I do that once a week. And usually I try to get it on a Tuesday. That simply didn't happen. Trying earlier today to get it out, and I had it almost done. And then the computer all of a sudden just ate my whole document, and I went back, and it should have been saved, but it wasn't. It wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And I, I was so frustrated because I had to go to a meeting, and then I have to do a couple things after that. And I'm like, well, the day is just going to get away before I get it done. And then right in that moment of feeling frustrated by it, uh, because it was just so weird and dumb, um, I just thought, you know, there must be some reason why that happened. Maybe I was phrasing something wrong. Maybe I was supposed to share something I hadn't thought of yet. Maybe something I'm just going to trust God. And sure enough, we got it out on time. There was fine. You know, all of these many things, when we think God isn't there, he's there, he's working behind the scenes, and all he wants us to do, you know, that the Romans 8, 20, think all things can work together for good for those who trust him. And, and the trusting is our part. Do I trust him that this, even this, can work out for good. This is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Tina Levine from truthfulmovementforfemales.com. We're going to come right back in our last segment and talk about the primary task and how to keep it in the forefront and why the follow-through is critically important. Don't go away. What's your next step? Are you tired of scouring the Internet to find the training you need to take you from where you are today to where you want to be? Stop searching and start moving towards your goals with over 150 targeted training modules available to you at Marnie.com. You can learn how to speak, how to write, how to get published, how to get media coverage, and so much more. All available at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E. 
com. Well, you guys, I think uh, my number one question I get every single week when we send out the Marty Minute and other times throughout the week is, I missed it or I can't come to the training at that time when it's live. How can I listen to it? And you can listen to it for five weeks for free over at MarniesFriends.com. After that, it's in the membership zone, and we hope that you'll check that out over at Marnie.com. Our guest today, Dana Levine, is with Truth Truthful Movement. I'm sorry, Truthful Movement for Females.com. She's the author of a great book called Let Your Lessons Become Your Blessings. And we've been talking today about um, those who maybe want to start or increase a ministry to strippers, addicts, and inmates, and others who are really struggling with kind of some of the more intense. Um, life challenges that come come to people. Tina, you wanted to bring up the point, primary task, you know, how to identify that primary task and how to keep it in the forefront. Do you want to just go ahead and address that right now? Absolutely. You, you know, it's all about building God's kingdom. Um, you know, to die in the hope of Christ, it's all about Christ, you know, like Luke 24. And, it, it you know, it's a local missionary, but it's, like I said already about forgiving yourself and forgiving others. And we're asked in the Bible to share the word of our testimony, to bring truth to people, um, just to share that unconditional love, to be blinded by faith and love and not to look at everything else. <laughs> one of the one of the things love. that I always share with women is if you have even an ounce of fear you you got to pray for faith. you got to pray because, you know, the opposite of fear is faith. And so if you ha- you got to be fearless. You really have to be fearless if you're going to work in local missionary or even, you know, missionaries across the seas and in third world countries. You have to be fearless and just have that faith. I always say I always say that faith is the exact opposite of fear. That when I'm fa- when I've got fear going on, I have a choice to make. Either I'm going to partner with Satan in that moment and go on mm-hmm. in my fear, or else I'm going to partner with Jesus and go on by faith. And they are polar opposites. Yes, that's right. Wow. And, and you know, and that's what I love about the Bible. It seems like I always open it up. And I, I just read this the other day. That said it. Um, it, you know, 365 times in the Bible, it says, like, not to worry. You know, right. do not fear. Okay. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. worry. Cast your burdens you know, on the Lord. <laughs> what's so crazy to me is how many of those times occur when Jesus or an angel show up. And it's like, wait, we would think that those would be the most peaceful, comforting times. But actually, when God is powerfully working in our lives or in our circumstances, sometimes those are the most terrifying times. Yeah. You know, and I, I know that we've experienced that when we go headlong, you know, right into a deep ministry thing. You're like, well, this should be so peaceful because Jesus is here and he's got me and everything. <laughs> but those are the times that mostly in the Bible, don't fear. You know, every angel, every single angel that shows up says, don't be afraid. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. You know? So, and but our natural tendency, anytime something big is going on in the spiritual realm, our natural tendency will be to fear. Yeah, it's always going to be that way, no matter how old actually, we get in Jesus. Yeah, and that's when we actually need to praise. You know, we need to praise Him in the storm. Absolutely. Because, Absolutely. You know, there's a reason why we're going through that. And like I share with these young ladies, sometimes it, the reason is not it has nothing to do with us. Sometimes it has to do oh, with other right. people. You know, and um, you know, yeah. Let's camp there for a minute because I actually, 
I actually think that a lot of times when people see somebody, especially a Christian, when they see a Christian going through a difficult period of time, there is a conclusion that can be drawn that God is teaching them something. And of course, God teaches us things through everything. But so many times when I've observed the aftermath of a difficult time in the life of a saint, I've reflected that honestly the people around them have been more affected by it than they were. That that yeah. God really probably did it for the people around them and probably, I, I'll use the word picked on, not like he did with Job, probably selected that person because yes. he knew he could trust them with the difficulty, which is a whole different perspective than saying that every time God brings challenge into our life, it's because he's, you know, working out some character flaw in you, which I honestly think is the byproduct of everything, but sometimes that isn't his purpose, yeah. right? you know, it's yeah. a byproduct. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the past 10 years, I've had 10 surgeries. In the past one year, in the past year, I've had four surgeries. And I, oh, you know, I kept, goodness. like, praying to God, like, really? Really? Like, I should be no, a bionic woman on, on the right <laughs> side of my body. I should be leaping from oh, buildings huh? to buildings. <laughs> oh, my really goodness. Not? But, you know, oh. I realized in those moments where, where I had to have these emergency surgeries and that, and it was like, okay, you know what? Maybe it's not me maybe this is mm-hmm. to open right. my eyes to show what a loving and incredible husband I have and he's so patient and he's such a great caregiver you know maybe it has nothing to do with me at all uh, maybe it has to do with other people friends family other people um, because I constantly have people say whoa another surgery oh my goodness how and I'm like right. I'm, I'm doing it God's doing it I I'm putting all of my faith and trust in God. position actually allows us to be a tool in the hand of God instead of for us to be resisting, self-pitying, focusing internally on everything that's going on. And I know that same thought process has happened for me. I was, I was hospitalized a little while back, and it's like, it was like, I think that, I think that there must be somebody here that I'm supposed to reach out to, and that actually happened. Um, it's it's incredible when we have a different perspective other than that it's all about me. When the perspective is honestly, I'm here, I'm Jesus's flow through vessel, you know. And then you know, keeping the main thing the main thing is that you said it earlier. You know what what it what is a characteristic of a woman who has this ministry? And basically, it's that she's healthy in Jesus because mm-hmm. a really a really unhealthy vessel, a really dirty vessel is a pretty tough flow through for the Holy Spirit to do. And what happens is a lot of our junk comes off of it with the Holy Spirit. And it really is hard for other people to take. And when you're working with extremely wounded people, it helps mm-hmm. a lot when you've taken the time to make sure that you are confessed, that you are forgiven, that you are in a position of forgiving others before you try to reach out to other people. And if you are a clean vessel, not that you're perfect, but that you just confessed up, really. If you're a clean vessel, the Holy Spirit can flow through you and amazing things can happen around you, not because of you, but because of your willingness to let Jesus flow through. Yes, absolutely. Hmm. Let's talk just a minute. You mentioned earlier that follow-up is really important. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Well, one of my favorite things is the fortune is in the follow-through. And that's with everything. I do that in every aspect of my life, personal, professional, in my ministries. And the reason for that is because 
like we talked about earlier, some people are just not ready at that moment. And so it's like you just come back to them just to check in and just offer, you know, offer God again to them. Reintroduce God to them. Um, I think it's important for the follow-through, like I said earlier about the resources, um, to offer resources. Things happen, you know, life happens, and especially women that are recovering from alcoholism and drug addiction, you know, they have to learn how to live life on life's terms without those chemicals, and it's hard, and they feel lonely, and they feel, you know, they still feel broken, and they feel overwhelmed a lot of times and so it's important to have those resources available to them also the sustainability you know to sustain a ministry and keep it going if you would have told me august 2012 that this you know ministry was going to develop into this i would have told you you're crazy (laughs) you know i'm i have i always say i have adhd i make it work for me because people are like how do you work full-time and do ministry and you know your business and all this stuff I just make ADHD work for me, but one of the, <laughs> one of the things I think is so important in ministry is to prevent burnout. And like you said, Marnie, it's important to take time to be healthy in the Holy Spirit, you know, so that he can flow through you and just love and forgive yourself. And, um, you know, one of the things that I loved about Jesus Christ is when he would heal people or when people would just reach for him and he would perform a miracle or he would heal them and he would always say, go and sin no more. And so that's just something I always keep in my head is go and sin no more. Doesn't mean that these women are never going to sin again, but it just means I'm going to love them and just keep on loving them. You know, there are a couple things that you brought up there that I want to just key off of for just a minute. One is one is the um, burnout one. And I, uh, years and years ago, um, the Burnhams came, to a couple, and I don't even know if they're living anymore. They were kind of old, older when they came to us, and this is probably 30 years ago almost now. They came and did a couple seminar, but he talked about burning out, burning out on your marriage, burning out on your ministry, burning out on whatever. And he said that he felt like the number one reason that people burn out is because they begin to do it themselves instead of letting God do it through them, that there comes this point where you take the burden of the ministry onto yourself. And you were really never built for that. Um, you were built to be a flow through of God. And so the the ministry burnout thing, uh, he, and he used, he said there's two, there's two times people burn out in ministry. Number one, is when God wants to move them to a different ministry, a lot of times he will allow the flame, the fanning of the flame of that ministry in their heart to die because it's to a different ministry. But he said, alternately, it can be when a person takes on the ministry on their own shoulders. And so to just be watching for that. You talked about the follow-through. I love your quote here. I'm so quoting you on Twitter as soon as we're done here. The fortune is in the (laughs) follow-through. That's just a great quote. And it is so true that if we just, you know, if you just plant a seed and then on a hot day there's no water, um, it can't grow. It has to be nurtured. It has to continue. And it's not that we can always be that full nurturing, but sometimes that is our role. We get to be the person watering. We get to be the person weeding, you know, and um, to to just be willing to do that. As far as follow-through, is there a, I'm sure sure your book, which we want to, 
promote your, your lessons become your blessings, and that's available at uh, Amazon or any bookseller. But um, as other than that, is there like a favorite resource that you have to give out when someone trusts Christ or when they make a commitment to re- renew their relationship with him? A resource for them to what you know one of the websites that um, I created for the strip club outreach ministry it's called Saved by Second Chances and I have a whole uh, page of a lot of the questions I hear women say you know like I'm a mistake and that I I you know it was a mis- mistake uh-huh. of why God created me and right. um, you know does everything really happen for a reason and but I'm a sinner what can I possibly do to make my life better and really I have a second chance at life. You know, so what I did is I took all the questions that I hear women all the time ask me, and I put it on my website, and I answered the questions with, um, you know, biblical truth, with the word. Um, so I found scripture to actually answer those questions. So um, that's called SavedBySecondChances.com. Um, on my website, Truthful Movement for Females, I have some uh, resources. And then I just, I always, um, you know, refer back to the Bible. Always refer right, back to right. the Bible. You know, and Google, you know, a lot of people have Google on their phones and, you know, can go on the Internet or, you know, whatever. If they can just, sometimes if you just put Bible and then put hopeless, and then all the scripture mm. will pop up. So I do that a lot of times, too, and just ask women to do, utilize that. Awesome, awesome. The websites, again, are savedbysecondchances.com, truthfulmovementforfemales.com, and our guest today has been Tina Levine. Tina, uh, you are a speaker over at womenspeakers.com, and um, some of your topics are transforming trauma into purpose, will heal, celebrating recovery through laughter, the power to choose a positive life, and living life drug-free. I hope you guys will check out her website and her uh, speakers page over at womenspeakers.com. Tina, thank you so much for being here. I guess before you leave today, do you have a favorite Bible verse, like maybe a theme verse for life or one that's just been especially uh, close to your heart? Absolutely. You know what? Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, mm-hmm. says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And that's hard for us to remember when we're in the middle of some things that God is really for our good, but he is always for our good. I always, um, mm-hmm. uh, just in just in today's Marty Minute, in fact, the one that I rewrote, of course, um, I, I, was, I was quoting from Hebrews 11, 6, which says, For without faith it is impossible to please God. Those who would please him would come to him, believing that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I love it that God is as good as he says he is, that he's always faithful and that he's always there for us. Um, just in about 30 seconds, do you have a final thought for us? You know what? I also just want to encourage people to go to my website, tinatalkstruth.com. And you know what my motto is? Encouraging you to discover your truth one gift at a time. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks, Tina, for being here. And I hope you'll check out the rest of the programs on the right bar at marniesfriends.com. And we'll see you next time. Have a great day and a great week. Bye-bye.